The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Well, good morning. It is so good to be in church with all of you. If we have not met before, my name is Lexi. I'm the Family Life Pastor here, and I'm super excited to be continuing us on in our uh, series on the fruit of the Spirit. But first, I want to talk about this right here. Adam was teasing it all morning. Today, we are kicking off um, our Say Yes campaign. So when you walked into church today, whether you came in over by the chapel or you came in our main doors, you saw some Say Yes banners. And in our main lobby, there's a Say Yes table and there's some really cool shirts walking around. They're awesome. I know some people have asked us if we could sell these. So we'll be in talks. Okay, we'll get back to you. But we are kicking off our Say Yes campaign and really... This is going to lead us into our Say Yes series that's going to kick off with Pastor Rob on August 28th. And the heart of this series is that all of us would say yes to God's call on our lives to go deeper in our faith. Now, how many of you know that the last couple years we've been living in a world of maybe? Raise your hand if you've felt that a little bit. Like maybe we're going on vacation, but maybe they're going to cancel our flights or cancel our trip. Maybe our kids are going to school in person, but maybe it's online. We don't really know what's going to happen. We've been living in a world of maybe, but we really feel and believe as a church team that God is calling us to rise above maybe. I think that if we're honest, a lot of us have transferred that into our faith. Well, maybe I'm going to join a group, but I really don't know if I can commit to that. Or maybe I want to serve, but I don't know if I want to say yes to serving. And maybe I'm going to attend a class, but I don't know what the fall is going to look like, so I don't know if I can say yes yet. And we believe that it's time for us to just step up and say yes to the things that God is putting on our heart, the ways that God is challenging us to go deeper in our faith this fall. And so the way that you can participate in this campaign, in this series is just by being obedient to what God is putting on your heart and saying yes. Like it's, it's a faith step, right, to say when someone comes and says, hey, you want to be in my small group in the fall or do you want to serve? It's a little bit of a faith step to say, you know what? Yes, I am going to say yes and go all in and commit. But we believe that's what God is calling us to. So I want to challenge you every single week uh, for the next couple weeks and then in our Say Yes series, if you would stop by, the say yes table in our lobby, you're going to see a card out there. And it's, it's kind of a little intimidating because you put your name to paper and it, it literally says, I'm saying yes to joining a group, attending a class, or serving. And I think there's something powerful that happens when we actually write our names down, right? Like when you're sitting in here, it's easy to be like, oh yeah, I'll say yes. But once you put your name on that card, you know someone's reaching out to you. It's a little bit scary, but I want to challenge you to say yes, to go to that table, fill out your card. We're going to pin them up on that board so we can just celebrate what God is doing in our church. But don't leave this place without saying yes to what God has for you this fall. We believe it's going to be incredible. And I want to pray for us before we jump into our message for today. But before we do, I just wanted to share, you know, as we were worshiping and I was getting ready to come up here and Adam was talking about say yes and we're diving into, continuing to dive into our Fruit of the Spirit series and we have all this awesome stuff coming up this summer and this fall. I just felt the Lord really cl clearly put on my heart that we need to have an openness to be filled with anticipation that something good is about to happen. 
You know, I don't know about you, but for the last couple years, there's been this almost like underlying anxiety that something bad is always about to happen. It always feels like, all right, what's next? Something's going to happen. Something big is going to be in the news. And there's been just this feeling of anxiousness that something bad is just around the corner. And I just felt the Lord say, you know, be in a spirit of anticipation that something good is about to happen. So I want to pray as we get ready to jump in that our hearts would be filled with anticipation that God is about to do something good. Not just this sermon, but I think it's going to be good, don't worry. I mean beyond that, that God's about to do something good in our hearts and in this place. So let's pray together before we jump in. God, we just thank you so much for who you are. God, we just celebrate your faithfulness and your love and your greatness. God, we celebrate, Lord, that you are about to do something good. God, you are going to continue to change lives and call people to yourself and build your kingdom. And God, we want to be a part of it. And so we just open up our hearts in anticipation and we say yes to whatever it is that you have for us, God. I pray that we would have great faith to step out and receive the call of God on our lives, Lord, and I just believe that we are going to see great things happen as we do. God, would you open up our hearts and our minds to your word today as we dive into the fruit of the Spirit. God, I truly pray that no one in this room, in the chapel, or online would leave without being changed by an encounter with your Spirit. God, we love you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, we've been in a series this summer uh, talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And really, one of the big things we've been hitting on is that the fruit of the Spirit is not just a list of character traits that Christians should try to live out. It's so much more than that. Really, what it is is the evidence of a life that's been transformed by the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is the evidence, the things that people see on the outside as the Holy Spirit is changing us on the inside. And our passage we've been looking at in Galatians 5, 22 through 23, maybe you've never heard this before, maybe you've heard it a million times, we're going to read it together this morning. In Galatians 5, starting in verse 22, it says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Now this week, we are going to be talking about goodness. And I have to be honest, when I saw that my week was goodness, me and Adam were actually laughing about it in his office because I said to him, I was like, have you actually ever thought about what goodness means? Like you read this passage and it's just like, oh yeah, goodness, like just be good. From the time that we're very young, we know what that means, right? Like, how many of you have kids in here? How many of you can count? You probably can't. How many of you could count on one hand the amount of times you've told them to be good? Yeah, probably not in this place. You leave your kids with someone, you're dropping them off for the day, and it's like, okay, be good. We say it so much, and we learn it at a really young age. It's just a word that we know. We don't even remember learning it. So when I've read through this passage before, I have never stopped to think about what it means that goodness is a fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And what's really interesting is, is as I was preparing, it kind of dawned on me that if our definition of goodness is truly just being good, like we learn when we're little, just being good and acting the right way that we feel like we're supposed to act, if you really think about goodness in that way, then the Pharisees in the Bible would have been seen as people who were living out goodness. If that's truly the definition of goodness, is just doing the right thing that you're supposed to do, then the Pharisees would have been considered people that lived out goodness but Jesus, we know in the Gospels, Jesus rebuked the Pharisees. I want to read in Matthew 23, 27. 
I love this verse. It says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. You know, all throughout Jesus' life and teaching, he was pointing to this truth that goodness is so far beyond just being good. Because how many of you know that you can do good in your actions and have very impure motives in your heart? You can live good or look good on the outside, but really not be transformed on the inside. I also believe that the opposite is true. I believe that we can have the goodness of the Lord in our hearts, but if we're not living it out, if we're not acting on it and extending it to other people, we're also missing a part of the call that God has for us. So the question that I think we need to ask today is not just what does goodness mean, but what kind of goodness has the Lord called us to? In this passage in Galatians, when Paul says that a fruit of the Spirit is goodness, what kind of goodness is he talking about? When I was uh, preparing for this message and thinking about this idea of goodness and, and really what it means to live out goodness, I was reminded of a story when I was in eighth grade. Is there anyone in eighth grade in the room? Anybody in here or close to it, middle school? So when I was in eighth grade, I went to a Christmas party at my mom's work. So every single year, my mom's office would do a big Christmas party, and they rented out a facility. There were tables, nice tablecloths, centerpieces, like the whole works. They would have a catered buffet, and our family would always go to this Christmas party. Now this year in particular, like I said, I'm in eighth grade, so my brother's probably like a fourth grader, my sister's a second grader, and we get to this facility, we're all dressed up, we get to our table, and we sit down at the table, and my mom says, okay, I'm going to go get food at the buffet, you guys need to stay here and be good. You need to stay here and be good. So I'm sitting at the table, and I don't really know who started it. I never start things. I'm the oldest, right? So yeah. Uh, So somebody at some point decides to start throwing napkins. So we're throwing napkins at each other across the table. These are the kinds of things that like, why were we throwing napkins? But it seemed like a good idea at the time. So we're at the table. We're throwing napkins at each other. And again, at some point, somebody at the table, I don't know who, somebody at the table throws a napkin and I see it land on a candle in the middle of the table and the tablecloth catches on fire. So I'm sitting here and I'm like, all right, this is not good, okay? I don't think this is what my mom meant when she said be good at the Christmas party. So I'm looking at the table, the table's on fire and I'm like, all right, What are we going to do here? Now, you're probably thinking, like, she's the oldest, right? Like, she's got this under control. She would never abandon her fourth and second grade siblings. But I'm looking at the table, and I'm thinking, Mom said be good, and I'm the oldest, right? So I can't cause a scene at the Christmas party. So I decide in this moment to just turn my chair around, put my back to the table, and just act like I have no idea what's going on. I'm like... I'm like acting surprised. Oh, they started a fire at the table. What's going on back there? Luckily, there was a guy at the party who saw the tablecloth on fire and came over and he put the fire out. My mom comes back and we had taken the centerpiece and just laid it on top of the burn mark as if like she's not going to hear about us setting the tablecloth on fire. And I was talking to my mom about this story this past week and she said, you know, that was the last year that we ever had real candles And it was also the last year that we didn't pay for insurance on the tablecloths. Every year after that, they paid for insurance on those rented tablecloths. 
But I was thinking about the, this, past, this story this past week because I think it's a really good example of sometimes how we treat goodness, right? When my mom left the table and she said, be good, and the fire unfolded at the Christmas party, I'm thinking, all right, be good. Okay, I'm not going to cause a scene. I'm not going to yell. Like, I'm just going to act like I wasn't part of it. Mom, I was being good. I don't know what happened at the table. Obviously, that was not what my mom meant. I, don't, I think if the table caught on fire, she would have had a different idea of what it means for me to be good in that moment. But sometimes, I think if we're being honest, this is how we treat goodness or any of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. We treat it like it's just a box that we have to check off. Like, I just want to know, what do I have to do? God, what do I have to do to meet your quota for love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness? Like, what are the things that I have to do to not get in trouble and to, to meet your mark? And we want to check, check off that fruit of the Spirit box in our lives. But like I said earlier, living out the fruit of the Spirit, it's not just character traits that God wants us to and, and, and put on kind of like a, a show or a performance, really it should be the evidence of a transformed life. And so the question I think that God was really stirring in my heart this week was, are we actually being transformed by the Spirit of God or have we just gotten really good at acting the part? Are we actually being transformed by the Spirit of God or have we just gotten really good at knowing how we're supposed to act in certain settings to look like a really good Christian. To better understand this idea of what it means to be transformed by the Spirit of God and have the fruit of goodness in our lives, I want us to look for just a moment at the Greek word that's used in this passage for goodness. This is really interesting. You're going to see it up on the screen right here. Now, this word that's used in this passage is pronounced agathosune. Everybody say it. Let's hear it. Agathosune, you just, you know, you just learned something in church. If you learn nothing else, you learned agathosune right there. So this word that is used in this passage, it's the Greek word for goodness. And here's what's really interesting. This word that's used specifically in this letter by Paul is different from the standard word or Greek word for good or what is to be considered good. It's a different word. And what's even more interesting is that the word that Paul uses here, agathosune, it is not used anywhere else but in the Bible. It is not used anywhere else but in the Bible. It's actually considered to be a goodness, and you'll see the definition right there, an uprightness of heart and life. It's considered to be a goodness that is founded on God's goodness. It's so tightly tied to the goodness of the Lord that you only see this word used in the Bible. It's considered really to be a much deeper kind of goodness than just being good. So as we unpack this, I want us to look at this word and dive into what kind of goodness does the Holy Spirit produce in us? What kind of goodness does the Holy Spirit produce in us? This word, agathosune, what is it talking about? What does the fruit of goodness on display in our lives really look like? And the first thing we have to realize is that it's a goodness that is rooted in his goodness. The, the fruit of goodness in our lives is to be rooted in the goodness of God. I want to read in Galatians 5, 16 through 25. 
And this is the passage that we've been talking about, but it's a little bit before and a little bit after because I think it helps us understand this point. It says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. You know, this passage It's not just saying, here's the fruit of the Spirit, now go do these things. It's saying, as you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, these things are going to begin to flow out of your life. When we talk about the fruit of goodness, it wasn't God saying, okay, you just need to go be really good people. It was that we would be so aware of and immersed in God's goodness in our lives that we wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to help flowing his goodness out to other people. It's a goodness that is rooted in his goodness. You know, as I was praying for this message, I felt so strongly that for some of the people in our church family that would be here today, that the most important thing that the Lord wanted to do in your heart is remind you that he is good. If we miss that, we miss everything about the fruit of goodness because it starts with an understanding and a belief that God is good. I love this passage in Psalm 145, 9. It says, the Lord is good to who? The Lord is good to who? The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. You know, God's goodness, it's not circumstantial. It's not preferential. It says that the Lord is good to everyone, and it's who he is. God is good despite our circumstances. He is good despite our feelings. He is good despite our doubts and when things don't make sense. Now, why do I believe that this is so important to understand that God is good? Because I really believe that if we try to operate in the fruit of goodness apart from the belief that God is good, really we're only acting the part. If we try to operate in the fruit of goodness without this belief that God is good, we're only acting the part. We have to start with this place to say, God, would you remind my heart that you are good? And because you're living in the goodness of God in your own life, you can't help but pour that out into the lives of the people around you. So my question, and I just want you to think about this. If that's you and you would say, you know what, if I'm being honest, I'm struggling to believe that God is good. I would just encourage you in your heart right now to just, between you and the Lord, ask the Lord, what is stopping me from believing that God is good?
what is stopping me from believing that God is good? And I would just encourage you, God is not intimidated by that answer. He's not frustrated at you by that answer. I believe for some of you, it's going to be the breakthrough that's going to happen today is you're going to bring those things to the Lord. And God wants to remind you that he is good. He wants to shower you in his goodness and his compassion today. The goodness that the Spirit produces in us is a goodness that's rooted in his goodness. Number two, the the goodness that the Spirit produces in us is a goodness in heart and action. In heart and action. In Luke 6.45 it says, A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Now what does this passage say to me? It tells me that the fruit of our life doesn't lie. The fruit of our life doesn't lie. You can only fake it for so long before the fruit of your life is going to start to show what's really going on on the inside. The fruit of our life doesn't lie. We cannot simply fake it till we make it as Christians. And I would say, if that's the way we're living, we're just acting the part we're not going to be very effective at reaching people for Christ in the world around us. People need to see what a life truly transformed by the Spirit of God looks like. And when they see that, they will say, what do you have that I don't have because I want that? When they see a person who they know goes to church on Sunday but acts totally different at work the next week, that's not very enticing to say, I want to experience God's goodness in my life. The world needs to see goodness on display, and it's a goodness of heart and action. In Matthew five sixteen, it says, In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. You know, I, don't, I want you to think for a moment. I don't know if you can think of someone like this. Think, think in your life of someone who just lives out God's goodness. They just have such goodness in their heart and they live out that goodness towards other people. I don't know if you can think of someone like that, but for me, it's my grandma Kathy. I love my grandma Kathy. She is the sweetest lady. She loves Jesus. She loves people, like, to the point where it's borderline dangerous. Like, sometimes she's going out of her way to show God's goodness to people, and it's like, Grandma, like, you're going to be kidnapped. Like, you need to rein it in. But I remember there was a moment when I was in late middle school, and me and my grandma were driving around, and we went to Taco Bell in Marysville, and I'm not talking about the new Taco Bell on 116th. I'm talking about the really sketchy downtown Marysville Taco Bell. So there's always something going on in the parking lot, but we're parked in the parking lot, And as we're about to leave, we look in the rear view mirror and we see there is a guy who is being jumped right behind my grandma's car. There's like three guys and they're kicking him, punching him. He's on the ground. Now in this moment, I'm not proud of this, but I start screaming, drive away. Like I'm like, get me out of here. This is not my problem. I want no part of that. I don't know what's going on back there, but get me out of this parking lot. And my grandma is like, oh, not on my watch. She starts laying on her horn. She gets out of her car. She's screaming at them, you get out of here. I'm like, grandma. Like, and I don't know if you notice this, but like grandmas just have like a, a grip over people. Like even the most scary manly guys are like running when grandma, because these, my grandma got out of these cars and these, these guys were gone. Like they were booking it out of the parking lot. I'm like, 
Okay, whatever. So I'm sitting in the car and I'm like, you did not just do that. She goes over to this guy. Do you need anything? She's calling 911. And I'm still like, all right, grandma, the guys are gone. Let's get out of here. But my grandma, she's so quick to just shower the goodness of God on people. And there's people who she's met along the way who still to this day will call her and check on her and they'll talk about just the impact that she's made on their lives. Because when we live out the goodness of God in our heart and in our actions, people are impacted by it. The Holy Spirit wants to produce a fruit, the fruit of goodness, that is goodness in heart and action. The third thing, and I think this is probably the hardest one for us to grasp, and I'll say that even for myself, the Holy Spirit wants to produce a goodness that is goodness when it's not deserved. Goodness when it's not deserved. In Luke 6, 27 through 29, it says, but to you who are willing to listen, first of all, I just want to say I love that because I just feel like Jesus knew there were going to be people that were like, I do not want to hear this. But to those of you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. The goodness that we've been called to is a reflection of God's goodness, which means that our goodness has to look like his goodness. And the really hard truth is that God was good to to people who didn't deserve it. What's even harder, I think, for us to grasp at times is that we don't deserve the goodness of God. No one in this room, no one in the chapel, no one online, no one in this church family deserves the goodness of God the way that he has showered us in it. But from the very beginning, God has painted this picture for us of what it looks like to show goodness even when goodness isn't deserved. There's a moment in the Gospels when Jesus, he's sharing his final meal with his disciples before going to the cross, and he takes off his robes and he wraps a towel around himself and he washes his disciples' feet. It's a powerful, powerful moment. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment because every time I reflect on this, it's so convicting to me that when Judas is about to betray Jesus, Jesus gets down and washes his feet. When Judas is about to betray Jesus, Jesus washes his feet. And I think we forget sometimes that Jesus, he was fully God, but he was also fully man, which means that he felt all of the same betrayal and hurt and sadness that you and I would feel to be betrayed so deeply by someone who we've been living life with. He felt all of that betrayal and hurt, and yet he got down and he washed Judas's feet. You know, I think about this because Jesus, he had this one final opportunity to do anything. Like, he could have, honestly, he could have drowned Judas with the bucket of water. Like, at this point, like, I'm probably, if I'm Jesus and I know Judas is about to do me dirty like this, I'm like, no, buddy, you're not getting out of this room. But he gets down and he washes his feet. He could have said some choice words for Judas in this moment. But he washes his feet. And I think the question that we have to ask is, are we willing to wash the feet of Judas? 
And I want you to think about that for a minute. Who is the Judas, if you will, that comes to mind when you think about that? The person who you feel like, I, I look at this person and I genuinely do not feel like they deserve God's goodness. They believe things that are so offensive to the gospel, offensive to God, and so I just feel in my heart I cannot show them God's goodness. Or they've hurt me or betrayed me so deeply I cannot show them God's goodness because they don't deserve it. But are we willing to come to a place where we say, you know what, God, you've showered your goodness on me on my worst days, so I will move beyond my own preference, I'll move beyond my own pride, I'll move beyond my own bitterness, and I will show your goodness to everyone, whether I think they deserve it or not. It's a goodness when it's not deserved. And finally, number four, goodness when it's not easy. I want to read something really interesting because as I was preparing for this message, this literally blew my mind to learn. So there is a commentary on Galatians called the Daily Bible Study. It's by William Barclay. And I want to read one of the things that he said about this specific word that's used for goodness in this passage. It says, Agathosune is the widest word for goodness. It is defined as virtue equipped at every point. So what is the difference? Agathosune might and could rebuke and discipline. Christotes, that's what Danny talked about last week. Kindness can only help. Trench says that Jesus showed Agathosune goodness when he cleansed the temple and drove out those who were making it a bazaar. But he showed Christotes when he was kind to the sinning woman who anointed his feet. It is more than an excellence of character. It is character energized, expressing itself in active good. That's that whole idea of, of goodness in heart and action. Agathosune is goodness but it does not spare sharpness and rebuke to produce good in others. Thus, God can correct, sometimes very severely, and it is goodness in action. You know, I have to be honest that before diving into this study, I would have never considered God's correction or conviction as his goodness in my life. Because raise your hand if it feels good to be corrected or disciplined. I don't think anyone's raising their hand. It doesn't feel good. But God is so good and he loves us so much that he corrects us and he draws us to repentance and he guides us onto his best path for our life. He is so good that he is unwilling to see us just fall off the rails. So the fruit of goodness in our lives is also for the purpose of producing goodness in the lives of those around us. There's a passage in Galatians 6.1. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should, and some of you need to read this like five times, gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. What Paul is saying is that we show God's goodness when we are willing to lovingly confront those who are being overcome by sin. We show God's goodness when we are willing to have hard conversations because we want to see God's best for that person's life. The Bible says that as iron sharpens iron, 
so we sharpen each other, that we can make each other better, and it's God's goodness on display when we live that out. And here's what we need to grasp. We cannot convict people. The Holy Spirit convicts people of their sins. We are not called to judge people or condemn people, and ultimately, we cannot change people. What those people do beyond our part that we play, that is between them and God. But sometimes goodness is being willing to confront in love even when it's uncomfortable. What does this look like? I think for some of us, it's discipling and disciplining our kids. You know, when my parents, when I was growing up, my parents would say, this hurts me more than it hurts you. I was like, oh, yeah, right. That's a low, that's not true. Like, this hurts you more than it hurts me? I don't think so. But now, having kids of my own, it's like, yeah, this really isn't fun, but I also want you to be like a godly person, so I know I have to. And it's not fun at times, but discipling and disciplining our kids. For some of you, I think it might be a tough conversation you know you need to have with someone that you love so much, and you're seeing them being overcome by something, overcome by drinking or a gambling problem or whatever it is, and you just feel in your heart so deeply, man, I don't want to see this person be overtaken by sin, but I don't want them to be mad at me if I talk to them. And it's saying, God, would, would you help your goodness be on display as I talk to this person? Because I love them too much to just watch them go off the rails. Sometimes I think it's calling out our spouse in love when we see concerning sinful behavior and walking alongside them gently and humbly to seek God in that area of their life. There was a time where my husband said to me, very lovingly, but it hurt when I heard it. He said, I just, I feel like I need to tell you, you know, every time you get together with this person, you're gossiping really bad about people. You're falling into gossip. And it it was so hard, and immediately I wanted to defend myself. Well, it's not gossip if I'm just venting to my friend, okay? And then I had to pause and say, you know what? God is showing me his goodness by using my husband to call something out in me that is not of God, and it's uncomfortable, but I need to receive that, and it's uncomfortable to be on the other side of doing it, but it's God's goodness on display. You know, the fruit of goodness, what the Spirit wants to produce in us, it's so far beyond what we can do in our own humanness. It's the power of the Holy Spirit, the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to show goodness that is rooted in God's goodness, and it looks like God's goodness, and it's goodness when it's hard and when it's not deserved. But it's a goodness that changes our lives, and it changes the lives of people around us when we truly live it out. As we get ready to close out our service today, I just want us to create space right now for however God is confronting our hearts today. And I use that word confronting because what it means is to be presented with a tension in such a way that dealing with it can't be avoided. Like we have to do something. And that's what I believe that God wants to do in this place today is confront our hearts in such a way that we say, you know what, I have to respond to this. I have to respond to the goodness of God. I have to respond to this conviction I'm feeling that I've been withholding goodness, that I've been unwilling to be uncomfortable to show people God's goodness. For some of us, I think it is just responding to the goodness of God by saying, God, I need to give my life to you or I need to recommit my life to you because I've lost sight of the truth that you are good 
So would you remind me of your goodness today? I think for some of us, and this is hard, it's laying down pride and bitterness or maybe even indifference to be the kind of disciple that would wash the feet of Judas. It's laying those things down. And I think for a lot of us, it's committing to God's way of goodness, even when it makes us uncomfortable. If you are a part of our tradition service in the chapel, your host pastors are going to close in song and in prayer. But I just want to encourage you not to disengage, to not miss this moment of responding to what God is doing. Thank you for being a part of service with us today. Lean in in this moment of prayer and worship. For our church family that's joining us online, I would just even encourage you, we have some awesome online host pastors, and Caleb talked about this in the video, but every week we have our service online so that people all around can join us. But our church family that's online, I want to encourage you, if you would even comment in the chat, what is God doing in your heart right now that our team could pray with you as you respond to what God is confronting you with right now. And for all of us in this room, I just want to ask you to stand up right now as we head into a time of response. And I want to challenge you to not disengage, to not miss out on this moment of what God is doing right here and right now. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forward. Every week we have an incredible prayer team that's here. People that want to pray with you and partner with you in prayer about the things going on in your life or maybe what God is speaking to you. Our prayer team is coming forward. And what we're going to do is we're going to spend a few moments in a time of worship. And what I am challenging all of us in this room to do is to reflect on the overwhelming goodness of the Lord. To center our hearts on this truth that our God is good. We have to start there. And when we start there, when we reflect on his goodness, the Spirit is going to produce that goodness in us and it's going to begin to impact the lives of people around us. God is doing something in this place, and I believe he's challenging our hearts. So let's respond to his goodness, and let's ask the Spirit right now. I'm going to pray briefly for us. Let's ask the Spirit to fill us up with the goodness of God in such a way that we can't help but overflow it to the people around us. So God, right now we come before you. And we thank you that you are good. You are holy and completely and perfectly good. In every season, in every circumstance, despite our feelings, you are good. So God, would you remind our hearts of that truth today? God, I pray for the hearts that are hurting and broken and confused and doubting you. God, would you shower them in your goodness this morning? God, that they would recommit their lives to you. or give their life to you for the very first time. God, you are good. And Lord, I pray that you would confront our hearts. God, that you would make our hearts uncomfortable with staying the same. God, that we would feel such a strong call to respond. And God, we respond by asking your spirit right now in this place to fill us up with the goodness of God that we might begin to, to flow that goodness out into the lives of people around us. A goodness when it's hard, when it's uncomfortable, when it's undeserved. A goodness that looks like your goodness. And Father, we thank you that none of us deserve your goodness, but you shower us in it every day. 
God, we love you and we ask that your spirit would speak and encourage and challenge us as we respond to you in worship today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's press in and worship together.